0: Welcome to the LifeCast. We hope that you find this ministry of New Life Assembly of God as an encouragement to you. You'll hear messages and lessons in God's Word by our staff and special guests. Enjoy the podcast. The Lord will do this anyhow, but I'm going to have you ask him, can, can you do this? With you? Can you kind of raise your hands like this? You'd be all right with this? If you're visiting, he's like, hey, hey, don't make us do stuff. Well, you can keep your hands down, whatever, it's okay. Nobody's going to throw stones at you. Put your hands like this. And then I'm going to have you say this prayer. Lord give, Lord, give it to me straight. Now remember at the end that you prayed that first, right? No, no. But uh, I do want to share some with, something with you from his word this morning. We're going to look a uh, little in the Old Testament, a little in the New Testament, and... Uh, Walk out with some encouragement and hopefully some clarity um, as we do this. So um, Isaiah <clears throat> chapters 13 through 24. If you're not familiar with the Bible, it's Old Testament prophet. Um, it's a little bit longer book in the Old Testament. Um, God spoke a lot to Isaiah and he relayed it. And so Isaiah is also known as one of the Messianic prophets because he talks a lot about the coming of Christ, coming of Jesus. And uh, even talked about him being born of a virgin and prophesied it, you know. And so Isaiah has a lot of powerful things to say. Um, of course, they came from the Lord, so what can we expect, right? Well, the chapters 13 through 24, it talks a lot about um, judgment and judgment on the nations. And we're going to take a little segment here from Isaiah chapter 22. Um, yeah, eight, I'll probably read verses 8 through 14. Um, and we're going to, for this morning, we're going to kind of spend time or hang our hats there in the later part of verse 14. I want to read this um, to you. Um, He's take away the covering of Judah. And that day you look to the weapons of the house of the force. Now, as we read this, we're jumping into a prophecy, and you're going to go, what in the world does all this mean? I'm, I'm not going to explain everything to you because it would take a whole teaching and message on this, not just this chapter, but this these many chapters of what God is saying. But we're going to pull something out of here that he... Uh, uh, reveals and something that's going to hopefully enlighten us. In that day you looked to the weapons of the house of the forest and you saw that the breaches of the city of David were many. You collected the waters of the lower pool and you counted the houses of Jerusalem. You broke down the houses to fortify the wall. You made a reservoir between the two walls for the water of the old pool. But you did not look to him who did it or see him who planned it long ago. So just to give you a little bit of explanation because i read that quickly basically they're under siege Um, they break down their houses many houses they fortify more walls around the city Um, many of the houses that they had and that they built in that time you know they became layered and tall and they had flat roofs and they would go up on those roofs And uh, they would watch for the enemy. They would enjoy life up there. They would do um, some sacrifices up there. They would do gatherings up there. Uh, Some of them did idol worship up there. And so this is kind of the setting. Well, they're under siege. And these are the things they've done to try to preserve water and protect themselves. And yet, in the middle of all of this, they did not acknowledge the Lord. Now, the Lord gave them instructions. What they were supposed to be doing in this time when they were going to be under siege. Gave them instructions. They went ahead with their own plans. They did not listen to the Lord. And so look at some of the things that they, they did. In that day, the Lord God of hosts, verse 12, called... For weeping and mourning. Say it weeping and mourning. weeping and mourning. That usually means in Old Testament vernacular when the Lord calls for weeping and mourning, it, what He's calling for is for His people to set aside a time of prayer and acknowledge your sins and um, listen to the Lord, acknowledge Him, change your heart, pursue the Lord. So, fast and pray and seek Him instead of just doing your own plan when God specifically gives you instruction. It doesn't mean we aren't to have any action, it doesn't mean that we aren't supposed to be responsible or faithful, but we don't just run ahead and do things on our own and he's he's saying you've done these things to fortify your walls and to try to save water and you forget you forget that I'm the one who created this and helped you with this and did all of this and yet you're doing all of this and now you're on your rooftops. And you'll see they're on their rooftops and they didn't go out to war like they should. They just had a defeatist attitude it 's not worth it we 're going to die, so i 'll put it in uh, carnal terms in our era basically said we 're going to go up on the rooftops, and we 're just going we 're going to party'm just telling you they rejected the word of the Lord, so listen to this in that day. <clears throat> The Lord, God of hosts, called for weeping and mourning, for baldness and wearing sackcloth. In other words, shave your head, ashes and sackcloth. You need to humble yourself before God. So they did outward things. But outward things only go so far. It has to be an attitude of the heart, right? <clears throat> called for weeping and mourning, wearing sackcloth, and behold, behold, joy and gladness is what i heard killing of oxen the slaughtering of sheep the eating of this flesh and drinking wine let he quotes now let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die this was their attitude the lord of hosts has revealed himself in my ears the prophet says Surely this iniquity, now listen to this. This is the part I want you to hear for this morning. Surely this iniquity will not be atoned for. That should really scare us. Okay? Now, I know we're on this side of the cross. We acknowledge Jesus. We know that there's forgiveness of sin because of his blood. But when we hear that God says to people, this sin, this which you're doing, will not be atoned for, and it says here, um, will not be atoned for you until you die, says the Lord God of hosts. Now when it says until you die, it's talking about the second death. So that you, you understand, it's like, oh, once they die, it'll be atoned for. No, 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 no. What he's saying is, you, when you die in this life, it won't be atoned for. And when it comes to the second death, in other words, eternity away from God, spiritual, eternal death, he says it will not be atoned for. Now, when we look at the life of Christ, we understand grace and mercy. We understand that through his blood, there's forgiveness of sin. Right? Say right. But there is, in the New Testament, a sin that won't be atoned for. You know what it is, right? You know what it is? Say it loud, whoever had. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. We're going to look at that passage. So here we see in the Old Testament that there's a point where people go and they don't listen to God. They rebel against God. They take their own plan. And God says, you know what? That sin will not be atoned for. Ever. That, that's an alarming phrase. It should shake our soul a little bit. Now, those who believe in Christ and understand the blood, it doesn't shake your soul, but it should cause us to be very alert... Of how do I live my life before God? Not just when people are watching, but nobody's around. What is my walk before Him? Because I do not want to lose... What a sad state. To lose fellowship with God and not know it and go through religious practice, song, giving, serving, and doing everything, and we've grown far from the Lord. You know, Paul, we think, well, that's not possible. Listen, Paul writes it this way. He says that when I preach to others, I myself must listen to what I'm preaching so in the end I am not disqualified from the prize. things could become so familiar, so rote, and we do these practices and we live this lifestyle and, and somehow, some way behind all of that, our heart grows far from the Lord that all of a sudden fractures our fellowship with Him and we find ourselves holding attitudes or something within us that is out of order. It is not honoring to the Lord and He's been talking to us about it. And we might say, yeah, yeah, or I'm too busy or I'm doing all this good stuff that consumes my life that I don't take time to recognize what the Holy Spirit is still talking to me about where I might be rebelling against God and His order and His Word and His structure in my life. And we just say, well, you know, God's gracious and merciful and this is no big deal. Those of you who are parents... You talk to your children, you talk to them about very serious things. And you talk to them about lighter things. And, you, you know, you, you do that. I would like to think that when we talk to our children, when I talk to my children, when I have talked to my children, when we were raising them, whether it was really serious or was something that wasn't too serious, that they would take all of it serious that they wouldn't walk away and just go, you know, he didn't really yell. He didn't point his finger at me. So maybe what he just told me, ah, it's not really all that serious. I don't need to listen to it, or I don't really need to do it. What a sad state. If that becomes my attitude, my outlook, when it comes to the Lord's Word, and him trying to talk to me in my life. Here's God's people, who he loves, who he has watched over. From generation to generation, he has watched over them. He has protected them. He's allowed circumstances to discipline them, to try to turn their heart to him and to then you know go over these things with their children so that generations that grow and come they would know him and they would have a heart before him a purity of faith an understanding that when God speaks and when God tells us something that it's serious I should pay attention to it It will bring protection in my life. It will bring peace in my life. It will bring prosperity in my life. It will bring such security to me. And most of all, and more importantly than the circumstances that challenge us, I will always be in good standing in relationship with God. That I will never hear from Him. These sins that you commit will never be atoned for. Because if they're not atoned for, we have no hope and no future. If Christ would not have come, we'd be lost. How is it that you and I could forfeit such an undeserved blessing of God Himself coming to make peace and mend us? How could I forfeit that? Because I'm not going to listen anymore, I'm going to do my own thing, or I'm just going to go through some motions you think, well, how, how could that sin not be atoned for? It is atoned for if we confess. If we confess it, that it's wrong of us, and then we follow up with, I'm going to change. I'm not going to keep doing this and living like this or disobeying him, or rebelling against his word, I, I've confessed that I've done that, and now I'm going to turn and I'm going to change. He's going to help me. I'm still, we're still going to stumble. We're going to trip around. We're still going to fight our flesh. But we continue to go, and he leads us in an overcoming power that he frees us from our past, not... Um, just like, hey, that was then and this is now. It's we got freed from the past. Our mind might remember, but we now live completely different because our thinking has been transformed and we've had a change of heart. And when He's called us to repent or ask forgiveness and change, that we have listened. You see, if we don't listen and we resist and rebel, then it can't be atoned for. I want you to hear that. It can't be atoned for. God is gracious and He is merciful and Jesus shed His blood. But it takes the kind of faith to confess and to change. They just went about their way and God sends a message and says, this, this sin this disrespect, because I mean, what is, what is blasphemy? I mean, it's the continual state of mind, attitude, and action that says, I have no reverence for God. And anything that's holy, I have no reverence for. I'm rude to it. I'm rude to it. I reject it. And that's what they did here. In Isaiah, God called them to do something else compared to what they chose to do. And God saw it and God heard it and he responded. He said, you, you've disobeyed, you've rebelled against me. These are not the days of celebration and doing these things. This is the day that I've called you to humble yourself get forgiveness from me, confess, repent, and change. Because God, as always, would then deliver them. Say, deliver them. them. Now change the words. Deliver me. me. What's the requirement? A faith that leads to obedience to Him. we'll, We'll struggle along the way, and there's grace for that, and there's mercy for that. But our attitude and our heart is to know God and to follow Him. Blasphemy is the continual rejection of what God is speaking to us, His Word. They heard the Word that they were supposed to, you know, shave their head and put on sackcloth and ashes. They were supposed to weep and mourn, pray and seek Him. And they did not, they did the opposite. And God said, there's there's no atonement for that unless they confessed, changed their heart, and a grace and a mercy would be applied to their life and his blood, Christ's blood in our life, it would atone for us. It's an interesting thing, this whole idea of rejecting God's word You know, if we put it in New Testament terms, you look in John chapter 1, Jesus has come, and it says that Jesus is the living Word of God. Right? We had the oral Word of God come to us from God through people, through prophets, and when the New Testament comes, Jesus is born, and he's the living Word, the living Word of God. And as we look through the Gospels, you will, we see this God, God's uh, Jesus teaching, Jesus living out who the Father is, revealing us to Him. Jesus is the living Word. And there are those who received Him and believed, and there are those who rejected Him. Those who reject Him, what is their hope? They would not listen to His Word. He says, how often, Israel, I've, I've looked to gather you like a hen gathers her chicks and covers them, but you would not come to me. Well, what about you and I? Do we come to him? The Holy Spirit is the one who inspired people to write what was on God's mind and heart and give us instruction in the Scripture. It's that same Spirit that has been sent to you and I to contend with us, to explain this Word that He inspired people to write, but also to contend with us and get our attention that we would turn from who we have been or what we have done and follow Him, a change, a turn, a further growing, a further following. Not like, you know what, I've done pretty good so far and I've traveled a long way from where I'm at. Him and I have had a pretty good track record. I've got, you know, I've come a long way. I think I'll just kind of stall out here and what he's telling me now is not maybe a real big deal. Say this to the people around you. Oh, his word is big deal. His Word is a big deal. His instruction, His Word, His call, His counsel, it's a big deal. Blasphemy is this continued rejection, lack of reverence, rudeness to His holiness, and those things that He he says. Listen, I want to... We'll look at this here quickly. In Luke 12, um, I'll read... 8 through 10. And I tell you, everyone, this is Jesus speaking now, I tell you, um, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man also will acknowledge him before the angels of God. Whew, that's a really great thing. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angel of God. Ooh, that's a warning. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, Jesus. But the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. I want you to hear this if you're worried that you committed that sin. It's not a one time event. We were all lost, we all went astray, we've all rejected God's word. We've all sinned and fall short. But there's redemption. Right? There's there's a blood. There's sin that's atoned for. What he's saying is if we continue to live like this and reject the Holy Spirit who's been sent to bring healing and conviction of righteousness and sin into our life, if we continue to reject Him, we, he calls us to to uh, follow Him. He calls us, in the Old Testament, He called them to mourn and to weep over their sin and confess and get things right, have a change of heart. There would be an atonement for that. But if they do not, there is no atonement. If I reject the Holy Spirit, and that is my practice, my state of mind, what I choose and how I live, there is no atonement for that. If I confess and have a change of heart, now there's atonement for it. So if you're here and saying, oh, I just pray and never commit the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, I got news for you. We've all committed that sin. But for those who confess it and turn and follow and listen to His Word that sin is atoned for because it's no longer a reigning, practicing sin in the way that I live and the attitude that I have. That's called mercy. That's called grace. But if I continue to reject, disobey, rebel, there's no atonement for that. Paul writes it. Should I continue in sin? Reject the Holy Spirit's counsel, drawing, correction, trying to help me if I continue to reject it? Paul writes, don't continue in sin. Like grace is going to abound for that? It takes a turn in my heart. We're going to look at something here in the Old Testament. It has to do with King Saul. Saul. If you, I'm not going to read, I'm just going to put a piece of, I'll give you the text. It's 1 Samuel 16, verse 14 through 23. I'll read it again to you so you can look it up later. 1 Samuel 16, 14 through 23. There's something interesting that happens here, King Saul. um, He's king. He disobeys God. Does not turn and does not repent. Goes his own way. Did not wait for, for what was right. And the instruction of the Lord came and he did not wait. And you can go back and look at his sins in previous chapters. And it came to a point that his disobedience and rejection of God's word and rejection of God's instruction, he did not listen to the Spirit of God and the instruction that came to him. So he rebelled. The rebellion broke fellowship between him and God to the point that evil stepped in, and evil took over, and it it included even the activity of demonic spirits, hassling spirits, Troubling spirits. Now, what would happen is that what would soothe Saul, his soul, temporarily. Say it, temporarily. Temporarily. (sighs) Would soothe him temporarily is when David would come in, who was becoming King David, but, you know, There was that whole transition of acknowledgement between Saul and the one that um, Samuel now anointed to replace Saul. While Saul was still king, he disobeyed God. He was troubled. It even says that in in the passage before, chapter before, it talks about that how God had sorrow that he made Saul King. Saul had choices just like you and I. He chose to go against God's Word, against what was right, against the practice, put his hands on things that didn't belong to him in doing. And so all of this goes along, and Saul, he, he disobeys. He does not repent. He doesn't ask forgiveness and change. We don't ask forgiveness and we don't change. There's no atonement for that. There's atonement for it, but without our repentance, without our confession, it doesn't apply to our life. And so we walk in ongoing disobedience to God and it fractures relationship. Listen, God loves humanity. He loves us. He wants to walk in fellowship. wants us to walk in fellowship with Him, right relationship with Him. It's why Jesus came. It's why prophets were sent in the Old Testament to say, hey, this isn't right, but you can make this right. And Saul was not making this right. And so now it opened the door for troubling, hassling spirits that were attracted to this fracture and fellowship between Saul and God. And Saul struggled, and he had these tormenting, hassling, evil spirits. And what would happen is he would call, he desired David, young David, to come in and play music. And the music, as he played, it would, on the surface, it would give um, the, the impression that when David played this music, then Saul could be at rest within him. And the evil, and the evil spirit could not hassle him at that point. I want you to know that, sorry, I'm getting warm. I know that's just for looks, but I used it for something else. Um, (laughs) No, I won't, okay. (laughs) Sorry, I'm getting really distracted here, I gotta let that go. All right, so, um, it would look like when David played, the music would soothe Saul, and the The evil spirits could not manifest and hassle him. Now that's true. But it wasn't the music. It wasn't the music. It was the anointing on the music and the worshiper that brought a soothing to Saul's hassled soul that was there because of disobedience, if you ever come to church, you come in, you felt hassled, beat up from the week, maybe some anxiety, some worries, or whatever you come in, you get in here, and just as we go into a time of worship, and you talk to the Lord, and you pray to the Lord, and his presence fills, and our eyes become more aware, our, we, our spirit becomes more aware of his presence just kind of coming in and being among the believers who are acknowledging him, worshiping him, singing scripture, expressing word. And all of a sudden, you know, it's, your soul just kind of goes, Ooh, this feels kind of good. Now, there's the other side, too, where we can come in and live a life of disobedience and come into this worship atmosphere, and the Spirit of God comes, and the, and, and the presence of the Lord comes, and we feel more agitated and everything, because we know we're not right with Him. But there's times that we come in, those who, who know better, and, and they, they feel the soothing of the soul. It's like right now in this moment, all that's been hassling me and troubling me, it's like it can't touch me. It just... It's like it just it hands off. And and peace comes. And, and then you call on the Lord. You might even sing a little bit. And the, the skilled musicians play. And they sing. And we worship the Lord. And other people are worshiping. And they're, they're lifting hands. And some are kneeling. And some come to the altar. And it's just this this atmosphere. This environment of people who believe in God. They, they The music plays. The, the words are sung. And just... His presence comes. He inhabits, right? He inhabits. He starts to get near, and we, get, we see the distractions kind of breaking up that try to bind us or we came in with, and they, they fall off for a moment. Whew. And you taste His mercy, and you taste His grace, and you taste His presence near, and you're moved. In your soul, in your spirit, your soul feels it. If you're acquainted with the scripture, your mind goes to the scriptures that talk about this is what happens. It was so good. And then we leave. A little residue goes with us. And then we get out. And all of a sudden, the hassle returns. The troubles return. How I was feeling before that experience, worshiping God, it all came back. Ah, Christianity don't work. Why go anymore? My life doesn't change. I go there and feel kind of good or I feel convicted. I know i got to clean some things up. But then I leave. It's like it's this temporary fix. That's what Saul had. David would come in and he would minister and worship and music and the anointing that God put upon him that breaks the yoke of bondage and David would leave. And Saul would be calling for music again because the, the hassling spirit, the evil because of the disobedience to God would just return to his life and the troubles and the complexities and the lack of clarity. And it moves him out of fellowship with God all because he would not confess Did you hear that? He continually rejected the instruction and the path to forgiveness and healing and deliverance that God offers to all of us, to Him. Blasphemy to the kindness of God, to the Holy Spirit who convicts and draws us, who changes us, who been sent to lead us in the things of God and the ministry of jesus rejected continually no and it breaks relationship and it 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 opens the door to sinful activity flesh activity it opens the door to demonic spiritual activity that disguises itself and just circumstances or you know uh, hassles we don't kind of know where they come from they just kind of turn up somewhere and it's just bad news and yet we went to church i had this good moment and now i'm back to my life church doesn't work you know what would have changed it for saul If he would have confessed his disobedience to God, his rebellion to God, he'd have been restored. We see it in the life of David when he becomes king. Does he sin? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just like you and I. But David repents. He doesn't commit the sin of Saul. And David's restored. You and I can be restored. That's our hope. See, when we come to this place and we worship, it's never been meant to be temporary ease. Here's a little temporary solution. Here's just a little drink of water to make you feel good in the moment. And then when you go back out, <laughs> oh, well, you know, the devil's just going to wreak havoc on you. Blasphemy is this ongoing disobedience, irreverence to God. You look back where we started in Isaiah. He called them, God called them to repent and for for forgiveness and confession. But when they didn't, there was no atonement for them. You and I live in a marvelous era of God's calendar and timetable of a dispensation of God's grace and mercy through Jesus Christ. But it's never meant to be temporary. And you and I have a responsibility, just like every other human, just like Saul, to confess, to turn, to follow him, and not break fellowship. If you look back at the very beginning, we look in the book of Genesis. What broke fellowship? It's that Adam sinned, rebelled, he fell for it. And now it was the call to the Son of God who was from eternity past, there at creation, to come. At some point, he had to come and make atonement and a possibility for humanity to be restored to the fellowship of God, with God. And God did it because why? You hear this? He loves you. He loves you it's who he is that our sins can be washed away unless i continue to live in disobedience to him now we're going to continue to sin we're going to you know trip up we're going you call it whatever you want you can soften it the the reality is we sin against god but his grace and mercy and blood is available to us when we confess and turn Confess and turn, not continue in. And then come to church and get some temporary help. And after a day or the afternoon or two days or partway through the week, it's all gone. Because when we were here and in the moment with God, we didn't confess, we didn't have a change of heart. For that, there's no atonement. There is once it's exposed. We confess it. A lot of you in this room I know have walked with the Lord a long, long time. And you've got a, a good track record of God's grace and mercy. You might even have a good track record of obedience. Don't fall short of the finish line, my friend. Don't say it's no big deal. He's loved me so far and I feel pretty good so I can just continue to operate like this with this attitude towards him or towards the things of God or towards other people or towards my wife or my husband or my parent or my brother. or my I, I've been doing pretty good all along. I feel pretty close to God. I felt his presence at church. Do not be fooled by feeling the presence and the momentary peace. Saul felt it. You hear that. That's the message. Saul felt it. And it was temporary. What did I not do that was right in God's presence in that moment? where Satan was at bay, and I was engaged in God's presence. What in that moment did I not do? That when that moment of worship was over, everything went back to the way it was. My spiritual condition did not change even though I tasted And I saw, and I felt, and the worship was marvelous, and I felt so close to him. You may have been close to him in proximity, but to be close to him in relationship is different. Because when you are not close to him in proximity but have right relationship, you're still good. Still good. Still right. Things are in order. Jesus came to restore, he came to redeem. He came to reconcile. I don't want your fellowship with him broken, fractured, damaged by disobedience. Because we can be disobedient and still feel him around. Come to church, get a little relief. But until we confess, until we obey, our relationship is fractured. You don't want it fractured. You know what it is to have a fractured relationship with somebody close to you? Raise your hand if you do. Doesn't mean you're doing it now, but at one time you did. Every husband and wife raise your hand in this place. how's life when it's fractured dandy not so because even when you're apart in proximity you're still good in here because things are in order things are right So that when you step outside of his presence that you feel in a gathering like this doesn't go back to the way it was. You're still good. You're still in fellowship. You've taken care of business. And you don't have to walk with fear when the enemy shows up because things are in order between you and him and you're going to obey him. And you're not going to take things into your own hands. And the moment that we do, we know how to quickly confess, receive forgiveness, and move on. And with his help, don't do that no more. He's made a way for all of our sins to be atoned for. Turn to a couple people around you and say, it's all been paid for. It's all been paid for. Somebody tell me, tell it to me. I'm up here alone. Somebody tell me it's all been paid for. Thank you. It's all been paid for. But here's the thing. I need to continue to walk in right relationship and obedience to him. And not give way, not give way to things that look like blasphemy, disobedience. Now watch the trickery of the flesh and the devil. You've got a great history. You've been walking with the Lord. Look how he used you. You give money. You give your time. You are kind to the poor. And we read our righteous list. And we think because it outweighs this other little disobedience that it's, it's okay. I'm telling you, it's not okay. That little thing, and I don't care how private it is, nobody knows. Yeah, well, I got news for you. It's not about how many people know, or if nobody else knows, God sees us. And it's, this is not a guilt, this is not a condemnation, this is a kindness that he says, hey, I don't want that to trip you up. I love you. I, I died for that. I became that ugly thing so that you wouldn't have to. So that when my own father looks at me, he sees me guilty. And he sees you clean. That's an old-fashioned King James word that is he imputeth. Righteousness gives you his. And he says, give me your dirt. The stuff that disqualifies you. The stuff where you've been disobedient. Listen. Listen to his word. Listen to his voice. Obey him at all cost. At all cost. Salvation is free. But I want every sin atoned for. There were some marvelous things about Saul until he wouldn't confess, and he wouldn't obey, and he wouldn't repent. I can't you remember at one point he was he was leader of God's people, he was a man of faith, who went all the way through a time to the point where near the end, he was consulting the demonic for help. He was once here with God. Ended up over here, seeking out the council of witches, the occult, the very opposite. I wonder if we would have asked him at the beginning, when things were right, "Would you ever consult a witch? Would you ever?" you know, move to the occultic side for counsel? Would you ever not confess sin to God that would open the door to all that? Of course I wouldn't do that, right? Because he's human and he's like us. How far disobedience can move us in good standing. We need to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. There's grace and mercy. There's joy to be found. This is all about the kindness of God to us to make it even possible. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is not a one-time event. It's a continued state of decision that we make. And the good news is you and I can confess and it can be made right, and there's atonement for it with confession and change. Confession and change. Say it. Confession and change. All an act of faith. All an act of faith. The the, the salvation is offered to us. The forgiveness is offered to us. I I have the responsibility with the help of the Holy Spirit to apply it to my life. Just stand with me, please. Do you remember the Saul of the New Testament? We call him the Apostle Paul, right? Do you remember some of Saul's sins? New Testament Saul, do you remember some of his sins? Some of the obvious ones, of course, right? Thinking he's doing a service to God and he's killing Christians? Having Christians killed? Well... He had an encounter with Jesus the resurrected Jesus <laughs> and Paul Saul was transformed Paul you can be transformed I don't care where you came from I don't care what you've done you can be transformed by the power of Jesus Christ he's made a way for you and I and we stumble along the way, and he's got grace and mercy for us, it's that we don't harden our hearts and continue to disobey and rebel against him. He came, listen to this. Scripture says, he came that you, you, not just you the crowd, you the individual, he came that you, would have life. Not death. Eternal life. Don't let anything, anything stand in the way of hindering that. Hindering your relationship with him. As dark and as guilty and as embarrassing something might be, don't hide it from him. I got a little secret for you to help you. He already knows. He already knows. He already knows. I want you to carry it one step further if you're following him. If Jesus' blood was good enough for God to forgive us. Then His blood, Jesus' blood, should be good enough for us to forgive one another. Don't let unforgiveness disqualify you. We got to work through some stuff because, you know, we're still trapped in this. I'm still trapped in this Randy thing. You're trapped in your own thing. We got to work through it. So here's the deal God has worked through it through the blood and our confession and endeavor to walk and follow and change faith and action how is it then that his blood isn't good enough to forgive those who have sinned against me there now the other shoe fell Sermon was good until, oh, you called me to do that. I got news for you. I didn't call you. He did. Sometimes it's the very deep things, very hard things. but only we make it impossible. Don't commit blasphemy. Have a tender heart before God always. And remember, that obedience and tenderness to him usually involves us changing and treating people different. That's the fruit, some of the fruit of it. So as you seek forgiveness, give it. Without doing that, you are not the righteous. They sinned against me, I'm righteous. Oh, we're not righteous unless we we forgive. The Spirit's been sent to help you. let here, hear it. The Holy Spirit's been sent to help you. So don't shut him up. Don't turn him away. Don't disobey him. Because now we're flirting with the blasphemy part. And there's no atonement for that. Thanks for joining us on the LifeCast. It is the ministry of New Life Assembly of God in Sparta, Wisconsin. If you are ever in the area, we would enjoy the opportunity of meeting you. Until then, remember, God is for you, not against you.